God's word now. We're going to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. So please would you open your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. 2 Corinthians and chapter 4 and verse 6. You know, the Apostle Paul had three missionary journeys. And on his first missionary journey, he wrote one letter, the book of Galatians. On his second missionary journey, he wrote two letters, the first and second book of Thessalonians. And on his third missionary journey, he wrote three letters, Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians. And the others of Paul's epistles are what we call his prison letters from Ephesus or Rome. So uh, that's a helpful thing. And we're in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, a letter written to the church at Corinth, which Paul planted in 1 Corinthians chapter 18. Sorry, Acts 18, I should have said. So verse 6, just this verse today. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In 2014, some divers, scientific divers, were exploring uh, waters in the southern Pacific. And they came across something that startled them. They saw sharks that were glowing. They saw sharks that were glowing. These are called catfish chain sharks. And they're what's called biofluorescent. Uh, This was the first time that they had discovered this. But they've now found 180 other species that are biofluorescent. And what these creatures have is the ability to absorb in their skin light and then reflect it and send it out. There are other creatures have a similar thing. Uh, if you think of uh, some squids uh, and things like this, octopuses, they're called bioluminescent. And bioluminescent is a little bit different. We think of uh, fireflies, for instance, in America uh, that have that ability. And what that is, is they have the ability to turn their energy into light. So one reflects the light, the other one, and instead of getting hot, it radiates its energy uh, in, in light as it's active. And there are these creatures that bear light in God's world. I don't know about you, but I think that's fascinating. And uh, something that I'm sure thrilled the scientists when they discovered that. Because everybody's interested in light, aren't they? From the first days of our lives here on earth, light is precious. Every little child wants a light left on in the room, don't they? Because light is security. Light is hope. Light is good. Light is so important to humankind. And we're fascinated by light. You know, I heard a guy speaking recently, and he said that he went to Las Vegas in America. And that's not an advert, but, uh, you know, Las Vegas is a little bit like Piccadilly Circus with all those neon lights. He said... As they were driving towards Las Vegas, and this is true, this is is someone I heard speaking just recently. He said, as they were driving towards Las Vegas, he said they could see the lights in the distance. And he thought, we're not far now. He said they looked on the sat-nav and they couldn't believe it was 75 miles away. To put that in context, that's like being in Brighton and seeing the lights in London. 
Can you imagine that? Light is so incredible. It travels and it has such amazing power. And in the Bible, the Bible says that God is light. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, it says God is light. And the Lord Jesus himself in John chapter 8 verse 12 said, I am the light of the world. And it's a fascinating thing. When we think about the properties and qualities of light, we can see it's a picture of God in creation. For instance, light is invisible to the eye. You can't see light. What you can see is the reflection of light. And that's what we're seeing now. But light itself is invisible. God is invisible. But we can see what he produces. You know, light, if you put it through a a prism, you can see one ray of light and breaks down into a prism of colours, doesn't it? Still only one light, but it, it becomes multiple. Isn't that like the Trinity? One God, but three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Just like light. Light is also powerful. Think what light does on earth. How photosynthesis causes the plants to grow and and, and gives life to creatures on earth. God is powerful and God gives all things life. And light is pure. Light is pure. And you know what the Bible says about God? God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. You can't have light and darkness being together when you come in a room and you flick the light switch on the light has the darkness has to go because light and darkness cannot dwell together and in God there is no sin he is pure and perfect so light is an amazing picture of God and in this passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 what we see here is three of God's lights that he has established. And I want us to look at this together today. I was preaching on this passage some time back. And afterwards, you know how afterwards, you know, you think of what you should have said. You know, afterwards, I read the passage again and these three things stood out to me. There are three types of God's light here. There is creation light. There is conversion light, becoming a Christian light, if you want. And there's Christ's light. And this simple verse gives us these three lights, one after the other, next to each other. I just want us to have a look at this very simple subject here today. So first of all then, creation light. If you look at the first part of the verse, it says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And that's a reference back to the first day of creation. And if you go to the other end of your Bible later and read Genesis chapter 1, you'll read that after the Bible says that God formed the heavens and the earth, at the beginning of the first day, God said, and let there be light. And there was light. In Hebrew, it's just two words, light be. God commanded and light came out of darkness. And this is the first light that we learn about in the whole Bible creation light and it's what Paul refers to here when he said the God who said let light shine out of darkness and it's an incredible thing I don't know if we take it for granted sometimes because we use it all the time but light is something we appreciate and value later on this year if we get any power cuts we're going to be so grateful for the light when it's on aren't we you know light means so much and in creation it's amazing think of the miracle of this right That God made light shine out of darkness. That's what Paul says. He made light shine out of darkness. Now today, 
the light shines on earth from the sun, which actually God made on the fourth day of creation. Four days. So light is four days older than the sun. Isn't that a fascinating thing? God didn't make light originally shine from the sun or from the stars. It was his light. His light. Because he is light. And in the new heavens and the new earth, at the other end of the Bible, we're going to see there's no need for a sun because the Lamb is its light in heaven. He has his own light. And God just said, let light be. And he sent out his light. But what a mysterious thing this is. Man doesn't really understand this. You know, God challenged Job in the book of Job in chapter 38. He said, In verse 19, what is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. You know, that's called, uh, I think, uh, divine sarcasm. (laughs) Uh, But God is there telling Job, you know, this is a mystery you can't solve. And that shows how great I am compared to you. It's a miracle that God made light come like this. It's also a mercy. Think about it because man needs light. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 7 it says light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. You know sometimes we don't realize how much we need God's created light. I read this fascinating thing uh, about Mozart. And a scientist was looking at the life of Mozart and examining why did Mozart die at 35. And do you know what they believed the problem was? Mozart became nocturnal. And he did all his great works at night and he slept during the day. So he never got the vitamins from the sun. But you know, God knows you need those. And so he created light to give that to you. It's a mercy. But there's also a message here in creation light. Matthew Henry put it like this. If the light is good, how good is he that is the fountain of light from whom we receive it? And it's true. Light is a picture of God's goodness for us all. And light regulates day and night, gives us morning and evening, gives us time. Light gives us gives us electromagnetic fields, it gives us radiation, it gives us radio waves, it gives us so many more things than just being able to read. Light is incredible. And the creator of the the world made it. So that's the first light we see here. And God establishes this as as the foundation of what... uh, Paul establishes this in in verse 6 as the foundation of what he's going to go on to say. Second thing we see here is what I call conversion light. Because this verse goes on to say this. It says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. God made his light shine in our hearts. Just as light was the beginning of the first creation, back in Genesis chapter 1, so light is the beginning of the new creation. Isn't that a fascinating thing? God established a pattern back in Genesis chapter 1. I'm beginning with light. And that's how it starts with the new creation too. When God starts making us new people to live in heaven, he does it by shining his light into 
our hearts. And that's the pattern he has established. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to have God's love shine into your heart. His truth, his word. In fact, if you think about it like this, when God started creation and started using light, how did he do it? He spoke. Psalm 33 verse 6 tells us that God spoke everything into existence. And God's word was how he brought the light about. And you know what? That's how he brings light into our hearts as well. Through his word. Did you notice that in Psalm 19 earlier? That the, the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord, it's like light. <laughs> and it comes in and it revives us. It gives, brings man to life. It makes him wise. God's light shines in. So when we're reading our Bibles, God's light is shining in our hearts. What we've got to do is open our hearts in response. You know, one of the ways I illustrate this is a simple way for children to understand. And I think it works for adults too. And that is with a camera. Now, you know how a camera works. A camera has shutters that open and close. And when those shutters open, it allows the light in and then the image is formed inside. And then the shutters close again to secure it. Do you know that's what God wants you to do? He wants your heart to be opened So his light can come in and he can form in your heart and life the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's going to go on and talk about in the next part. God wants to let his light in to your life. Will you open your heart and respond to him today? You need the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need the light of the Bible that points us to the Savior. So you can become a real Christian and go to heaven. You know, not everybody believes that. There was uh, uh, some years ago, two, uh, two fascinating men who had a debate. One was a minister by the name of F.W. Robertson, and the other was the atheist David Hume. I'm sure you've heard of David Hume, may not have heard of F.W. Robertson. A- David Hume is the man who up in Edinburgh has his big statue that all the atheists venerate, and they all love to go and touch his foot. And that foot has now worn away because people love his atheistic teaching so much. Well, in the 18th century, David Hume wrote an essay called The Sufficiency of the Light of Nature for Man's Spiritual Needs. And basically what he was saying is man doesn't need the Bible. Man doesn't need God's light. He's got all the light he needs in the created world. All he's got to do is just study science, like David Attenborough, you know, just study the creation. And and that's all he needs for light. He says the created world is enough. And so F.W. Robertson challenged him to a debate. And these two men had a debate. And Robertson said, no, man does not just need creation. Like we read in Psalm 19, yes, the heavens declare the glory of God. But we also need the Bible. We need the scriptures. We need the light from heaven to come to give us saving knowledge. So we can come to know the Lord in a real way. Well, at the end of the debate, David Hume got up to leave and it was a dark night. And Robertson had a torch a lantern with him. And he said, let me escort you. And he said, no, thank you. He said, I don't need your light. He said, the light of nature is enough. And you know what happened? As he was leaving the building, he fell and tumbled down the steps to the bottom. And as he lay in an embarrassed heap at the bottom, 
F.W. Robertson couldn't, couldn't, couldn't leave him there. And so he rushed down the steps with his light, held out his hand and he said, I think you're being told you need a little light from above. And you know what? That's what God is saying to each one of us today. You need God's light in your life. You need to let Christ in and be saved. This is the way to become a Christian. You become a light-filled servant of God by God's light coming in. We are, according to Ephesians 5, children of light when we're saved. God's light wants to come in. As you read the Bible and believe its message, it's like God's searchlight coming in, his saving light into your life to make the image of Christ. And when you get saved, I've got a message here for those of us who are already saved. I've got a message that when we're saved, share that light. Be a light bearer. I read a very moving testimony about a missionary by the name of William Milne. The name caught my attention because I thought maybe it was connected to A.A. A. Milne who wrote the uh, Winnie the Pooh, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, but William Milne was one of the early missionaries out to New Guinea. And he went out to the cannibals. And people told him, you'll risk your life. You'll risk your life. And he said, I don't mind. Those people need to hear the gospel they don't know. Do you know, if you go to New Guinea today, you will find a grave where William Milne is buried. And on that grave was written by those cannibals he brought the gospel to. When he came, there was no light. When he died. There was no darkness. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Wouldn't you love that to be the testimony at the end of your life, Christian? Then be a light bearer. Share Christ with others that God's light may come into their lives. You see, creation light brings brings, uh, order. Conversion light brings salvation. Finally, we see Christ's light. And that's the third light mentioned in this passage. And you'll notice the verse goes on and it says this in the last part. To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So putting it all together, it reads like this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, that's creation light, made his light shine in our hearts, that's conversion light, to give us the light of the knowledge Of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And this is the last light of all. It's Christ's light. It's Christ's light. Now if you think about the man who's writing this. This is the Apostle Paul. Formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. Do you remember how Saul of Tarsus was converted? He was converted on the road to Damascus, wasn't he? Where he was going to arrest Christians and put them in prison. He was a God-hater. Well, he wasn't a God-hater. He was a Christian-hater. And uh, he wanted to stop Christianity. But the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, met him on that road to Damascus. And he saw the light of the Lord Jesus Christ and was dazzled by it. I'm sure Paul had that in mind when he was talking about Christ's light in this passage. Also, we think, of course, of the, uh, the transfiguration where Peter, James and John went up the mountain with the Lord Jesus in Matthew 17. And for a brief moment, his, his humility was unveiled and his glory was unveiled for everybody to see on that mountain. And he was transfigured for a brief time before going to the cross. 
And you know what this tells us? Christ's light is the fact that he gives us radiance. He shows us the radiance of God's glory. This is what Paul says. We see the glory of God in the face of Christ. You know, when you're looking at the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not just looking at a good teacher. You're not looking at a clever doctor who knew how to heal people. When you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, you're seeing God. You're seeing God the Son. God the Son. We see the glory of God in the face of Christ. And the radiance of the Lord Jesus, of God is seen in him. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us, doesn't it, that in him all the, uh, Colossians 2.9 tells us in him all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. And Hebrews chapter 1 tells us he is the exact representation of the Father's being. He has the radiance. I love that story about the little boy. One Christmas his mum and dad were putting up decorations. And uh, they said they, they wanted to get a, a picture of the Lord Jesus for Christmas. To put up in the house. To remind them that Christmas is about the birth of Christ. And uh, they went to the shops together to try and find a picture. And the, the little boy and his father were going around the store. And they found all sorts of pictures. And the little boy wasn't happy with any of them. And the father said, well, what type of picture of Jesus are you looking for? He says, I want one that shines in the darkness. <laughs> I want one. He'd seen a sort of one that was illuminated. You know, I want one that shines in the darkness. You know, we have a Christ who shines in the darkness. It's a dark world out there. But we have a light in Christ. He is the radiance of God's glory. But also, we have in him the revelation of God, Because it says he gives us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You know, Jesus gives us light. Have you ever had that experience when uh, uh, something makes sense to you after struggling to understand it? You know, you're trying to struggle your way through a maths problem or something. And suddenly you say, ah, oh, I see the light. And what we mean is I understand something now I didn't understand before. We talk about illumination, don't we? You know, shed some light on this matter for me. Well, Jesus sheds light on God. In him we have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He tells us everything that we need to know about what God is like. And we see in him a merciful, loving saviour. The reason he came was to reconcile us to God, but also to reveal God to us. He's not a deified human or a humanized God. He is the God man and he is the one you and I need. We need his light. In him, God's fullness we can see, said the hymn writer, for Jesus Christ is deity. The great preacher Billy Graham once wrote a book called The Jesus Generation. And in that book, he came to a conclusion with this sentence. He said, ultimately, every human being must face this question. What do you think of Christ? And he's right. That's the question for you today. What do you think of Christ? That's the question everybody has to face. Whose son is he, said Billy Graham. We must answer this question with belief and action. We must not only believe something about Jesus, but we must do something about him. We must accept him. I want to ask you today, have you done that yet? Have you done that yet? Christ's light is God's light. 
and it can come into your life and bring you salvation. If I was to ask you who was the man who invented artificial light, I guarantee nearly everybody in this room would say Thomas Edison. But you know you'd be wrong. Whilst Thomas Edison invented the electric light bulb, he wasn't the first man to invent artificial light. That man was an American who was just ahead of of Edison, and his name was Charles Brush. And he was the man who invented streetlights. And in fact, in Cleveland, in America, in downtown Cleveland, on the 29th of October, 1879, if you look it up on the internet later, you can see a plaque to him in Cleveland. He set up lights that were stretched between huge poles, what we would call lampposts now today, so that people could come out after the dark. This was a revolutionary thing. And at 8 o'clock in the evening, when everybody would normally be inside, the lights suddenly came on. A crowd was there and they roared. A band was there. They played. The artillery were nearby and they fired their cannons to celebrate this light coming on. And it became known as the Great White Way. There was light in the darkness. And what he did in Cleveland... He then did in other towns and other towns. And he said, this is the beginning of a revolution. Now listen to his words. He said, people have been living in darkness so long, they have organized their lives on that basis. But when they get used to the light, they're sure to want more of it. (laughs) I want to say this to you, dear friends. Maybe your whole life has been a life of hiding in the shadows. He said, well, you know, I'm comfortable the way life is. You don't know what light is. When you have it, you'll want more of it. Isn't that true, brothers and sisters? The light of the Lord Jesus is the light that satisfies and blesses. So if you've yet to receive Christ, don't keep putting it off. Open your heart to him today. Say, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for thee. I trust in your saving work on the cross for me to be my saviour, saving me from sins. And I rest in you alone. Let your light fill my life. And God will answer that prayer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Thank you for listening.